This is Lance Turner, pastor at Grow Church. We'd like to thank you for joining our podcast. We pray the message today stirs your faith and it causes you to grow. Enjoy the message. Starting a new series today called Be Field. And this whole year we've been using, emphasizing this word be. Right? Because how many of you know there's power in God's word? But it's only powerful if you apply it, right? So we want to not just know about God's word. We want to be his word. We want to live it out as James said. Live out, put our faith in action. Amen? So in January, we talked about being the church, be grow. That was our, our aim and our, and our measure was to, let's be grow, let's be the church. Fulfill the mission, vision God's given us. And February, we talked about being loved, that we're going to love the way Christ loved, that we're going to receive the love of God, we're going to give the love of God, the agape, sacrificial love of God. In March, we talked about what it means to be one, that unity is crucial for the body to fulfill the mission, that if a, a church that's one will accomplish great things for the kingdom. Can I get an amen? And then last month, we talked about what it means to be alive, that our life in Christ is what makes us alive, that, that his death and resurrection on the, um, from the tomb makes us alive. Are you glad for that this morning? Anybody alive in here today? Praise God. So... We're talking about being filled this month, all month long, and I want to challenge you not to miss any of these because I think every week's going to get better and better. Amen. Let me say one more thing about the tonight, the community prayer service at New Life. I'm going to be leading a prayer uh, for families. How many, how many know families are under attack? And so if you, you want to come and join us, Matt, our worship leader is going to be a part of the worship team. It's going to be a powerful night of prayer and worship all over the community. Churches from all over the community are coming together. We do this once a year uh, surrounding our National Day of Prayer. So it's a unified body. We talked about being one. Why don't we show that this tonight, okay? So we want to just invite you there at New Life Church in Canton at uh, 6 o'clock. So let's talk about this, whole, this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, many people have misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. Now, the reason I think it is is because depending on what circle you were in growing up or what church you were in, you heard either a lot about the Holy Spirit or maybe not so much. I, was, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. My dad was a, a Church of God of Prophecy pastor. So I grew up where the full manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, were, were expected, were taught about, were believed on. And so that's, that was my persuasion. That's how I grew up. Some of you, maybe you grew up in a Baptist church or Methodist church where it wasn't emphasized a whole lot, wasn't talked about very much. And, and so what I want to do is, in this series, is to help you uh, maybe even clear up some misconceptions you have about the Holy Spirit. Because I'm here to tell you, you'll be glad to know Him and have a relationship with Him. Can I get an amen this morning? And so we're going to talk about that today. And so that's the goal of my, this series is to help that, help you. And obviously, we want you to be filled. Amen? So in this month, we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about who the Holy Spirit is, um, what He does. We're going to talk about the benefits of being filled with the Spirit. We're going to talk about, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that. And we're also going to examine the spiritual gifts. And so, how many of you know that the Holy Spirit is in charge of all that? He orchestrates all of that in our lives. And so if you're filled with the Spirit, you can rest assured you're going to start seeing those things come to, come to fruition. So here's our anchor scripture for the month. It's found in Ephesians chapter 5, 
verse 18. If you'll read this with me. And Paul says, And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but what? Be filled with the Spirit. So it's a command in Scripture. Paul makes it very clear. Be filled. That's pretty direct, right? Be filled with the Spirit. So we have to take it very seriously that that's what God wants for us is to be filled with the Spirit. And I was looking at this verse and kind of making the contrast, the comparison of, of being drunk on alcohol and being filled with the Spirit. Now, your pastor's never been drunk, thank goodness. And I'm not going to have any, have you raise your hand if you've ever been drunk in here because that might be embarrassing to some of you. And God's a God of grace, right? He's a God of mercy and that's your in your past. But I got to thinking about this and even looking it up. When you are drunk, you're actually, it's even, it can be called you're under the influence of. So in other words, that substance is controlling you. You're not in control. Your judgment goes. That's why they tell you not to drive when you've been drinking. Why? Because you are not you. Is that right? Those of you that have been drunk before know what I'm talking about. You don't make good, you don't make good decisions. You know, you, you can actually end up hurting yourself really, really bad if you drink too much. And as a matter of fact, if you go too far into it and drink too much, you can actually experience what they call alcohol poisoning, and it can be very deadly where your, your organs and stuff begin to shut down, and it can, it can kill you. So we have that picture of being under control of a substance that's not very positive, it's not very good, because you're not in control. And it's bad because you're not in control, right? And then the contrast to that is, is the Holy Spirit. He says, be filled with the Spirit. Here's the, here's the reality of that. When the Spirit fills you, guess who's in control? He is. So again, you're not in control, but it's actually amazing that you're not. Amen? Because how many of you know, if you're in control, things can go bad in a hurry. But if you're under control of the Holy Spirit, if you let Him fill your heart, things can go, your life can be so amazing and you can walk you know what I'm about to say, right? You can walk fully alive in Christ. That's good, isn't it? And so I, I want to just challenge you today. Let's be open to being filled with the Spirit. Now, we celebrated Easter a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. And we, we've celebrated even today the fact that Christ walked out of the tomb. And it's empty. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? We're celebrating that. And then Jesus said, he said, look, if I go, if I'm... Going away, because he said, he promised, I'm, I'm going to leave this place. I've done, my work here is done on earth. Forty days after his resurrection, he ascended back to heaven. But here's what he said before he died. He said, look, I'm going to go away, and you're going to be glad I do. Now, I can't imagine anything better than Christ walking the earth. Can you? Healing the sick, raising the dead, feeding 5,000. All the awesome things that he did. And him saying to, it's going to be good for you and advantageous for you that I go away. Let's read it together. In John, I think it's chapter 14. Let's read this together. He says, or 16, excuse me. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is your, to your advantage. When, you, when something is to your advantage, it's good for you, right? Things are going to work out pretty good for you. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. So the Holy Spirit's waiting on, he's like, hey, Jesus, can you get out of here so I can come and do some, some cool things? 
And so he says, if I don't come, if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit's not coming. But if I depart, I will send him to you. That's a promise that Christ made before his death and resurrection, right? And it was fulfilled. He, he resurrected, he ascended back to heaven, and on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, that promise was fulfilled. The day that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. It's actually also the birth of the church, the day the Spirit of God was poured out. And so it was a great thing that the Holy Spirit would come to us. And so Jesus promised that, and it came to pass. And so a person who's filled with the Holy Spirit is fully alive in Jesus. Amen. Why? Because you can't even be filled with the Spirit. You can't even be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, here's what he says. He says, for by one Spirit, say Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So what's the reality? You can't even get saved without the Holy Spirit. You're, there is no way that you can be fully alive or be, even be in Christ without the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 gives us another picture of this. He says, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So who is it that gets us in the place where we need Jesus and we, we recognize we need him? It's the Holy Spirit. So you cannot be fully alive without him. Amen. So this is all a foundation for what we, we begin to see, a clear picture of what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. One of the things that I, I want to I present to you today is the Holy Spirit is not some force, some it out there. Now, some of you may have gotten that teaching before, and that is totally inaccurate biblically. I want to present to you this morning that the Holy Spirit, not only is he not a force, but he is, listen to me, he is God. He's the third person in the Godhead, the part of the Trinity. He is God, and I'll show you. Now, the scripture is very clear that he's not some force, not some power. He is God. Acts chapter 5. Go with me to Acts chapter 5. Look at this. Now, this is the story in the book of Acts where Ananias and Sapphira had sold some property and they lied. And Peter's confronting them with this lie. So let's read it together. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Who did he lie to? Say it out loud. Who did he lie to? The Holy Spirit. Now hold on to that, okay? And keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. Verse 4. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Look at this. You have not lied to men, but to... So, verse 3 says he lied to the Holy Spirit. Verse 4 says he lied to God. What do you infer from that? What do you gather from that? The Holy Spirit is God. That's the only con conclusion you can draw, right? So the Holy Spirit is God. That changes everything, folks. He, if you believe He's just a force and power and you understand that He's God, that changes everything for you. 
And you'll know even, more, even clearer in a few minutes when we begin, continue to talk about this. The other thing you need to consider is about him being God is, we've talked about this before. There are attributes of God that the Bible describes. One of them is that God is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere all the time. Go with me to Psalm 139, verse 7. Read this with me. Where can I go from who? Your spirit. Referring to the Holy Spirit, right? Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. So the Holy Spirit is omnipresent, which is an attribute of God. You follow me this morning? I'm laying a foundation. The second thing is he is omniscient. What does that mean? He knows everything. God is all-knowing. There's, there's awesomeness in that, right? So look with me. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what, the, what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God knows the heart of God, knows the mind of God. Why? Because he is God. And he knows everything. He's God. The third person in the Trinity. I could go on. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's all-powerful. That's just a few. The other thing that you need to consider is, we said he's not an it, which means he's a person. He has a personality. And because he has a personality, you and I can have a relationship with him. If he was just a force, there's no way you could. And so let's take a look at this. The scripture gives us a clear picture. John 14, starting with verse 16. I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he, you notice what it's saying? Who's this talking about? Talking about the Holy Spirit. That he may abide with you forever. Verse 17. The spirit of truth, the world cannot receive it because it neither, neither sees him nor knows him for he dwells with you get this and will be in you what pronouns do you see in reference to the holy spirit he him these are references to him having a personality he's a person the other thing you need to consider is it says he will be with you and he will be in you, which means there's an expectation you're going to be filled with the Spirit of God. Amen. So this is awesome things to consider as we look into being filled with the Spirit. So we have already, we have He's God. We, have, we know that He has a personality. The other thing you need to consider is we are created in the image of God. Would you agree? Each of us, we have a, a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. And within our soul, there's a mind, will, and emotions, right? Because we're created in the likeness of God, in the image of God, we know that we have those things. And so God has those things. He has a mind, he has a will, and he has emotions. 1 Corinthians 2, we'll go back to that, verse 10. Look at this. It says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit for this 
The Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So he thinks and he knows things. Why? Because he has a mind. Secondly, he has a will. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. We're going to talk about these spiritual gifts later on, but I want to read this to you because I want you to capture something at the very end. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one of them for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another by faith, uh, faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individual as he wills so the holy spirit has a will and as these gifts are manifested guess who's in charge of it he is he works the the gifts and the spirit in the body for one reason to uplift and strengthen the body to edify the body but it's all his will it's his idea and it's going to be his course that those those work out amen you're not if you're filled with the spirit you're really not in control of the gifts he is the spirit in you is in control of the gifts So the Holy Spirit has a will. And His will aligns with God's will because He is God. Now follow me? So this this is all important things for us to understand because He has a mind, He has a will. And then thirdly, He has emotions. How many of you know God has emotions? You look at it in Scripture. He gets angry. And you know that you can grieve Him. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What is grief? It's a, it's a, it's a really deep sadness over something that's happened. Many of you have experienced grief in your own life through death of a loved one or maybe even a, a, a broken relationship or a, a job loss. There's so many things that you can grieve over. But really what's happening is you're just sad of the state affairs. And our behavior many times, the things that we decide to do can grieve and make the Holy Spirit sad. Lord, help us not to do that. Amen? So the Holy Spirit has emotions. He has a mind. He has a will. He has emotions. He is a person. He has a personality. And he wants to have a personal relationship with you. Why? He wants to empower you. He wants to feel you so that you can live fully alive in Christ. So let's talk about, a few minutes ago we said that there's an advantage to being filled with the Spirit. There's an advantage to the Holy Spirit coming. What are some of those advantages? Well, the first thing is, is we can see in John 14, 26 that He's our helper. One translation says He's our comforter. We'll talk about that for a second. Let's read it. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Look at this. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So the Holy Spirit is your helper. He's your advocate. He's your, you can even consider it. He's your lawyer. He's your counselor. He's your comforter. All those words wrapped into one in one Greek word is called parakletos, right? And the word literally means that he comes alongside you. You remember what Jesus said? He will be with you and be in you. 
Now, what's the advantage of having somebody like the Holy Spirit be in you and be your, your counselor or your comforter or your advocate? Think of it in the terms of this. A few, a few weeks ago, we talked about how there, there are treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ. You remember that? Colossians chapter 2. How do you get, gain access to that treasure of wisdom and knowledge? The Holy Spirit. Think about this. Think about the, the, the most famous lawyer that you know, or maybe a lawyer that you've heard of that's brilliant, that has never lost a case. Think about how smart they are and how wise they are and how much wise counsel they can give. And multiply that times, I don't know, a million. It's a big number, right? That's the kind of access, the kind of wisdom that you have through the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's your advocate. Because he's your counsel. If you're in the middle of trying to make a decision even right now, financial, relationship, wouldn't it, wouldn't it behoove you to seek him first. I'm in the middle of a couple things like that right now myself. I have, in the last few weeks, I've had to make some crucial decisions in my personal life and for this church. Folks, without the Holy Spirit, I'm going to mess it up. Guarantee. When I take matters in my own hands, I, I t things tend to go south. Can I get an amen this morning? Have you done that before? You took matters in your own hands. I got this, God. I'll make this decision. And when you did it, you're like, that was not a smart decision to make. So think about this. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you have access to all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't cost you a dime. Because I guarantee if you go to seek legal counsel now, it's going to cost you a few thousand dollars right off the top of the, of the, right off the bat. And you have access to somebody even smarter than that, and it's not costing you anything. Why do we sell ourselves short? He's in us, right? And so we have access to this. What about when you're going through some issues, when you're going through problems, when a death of a family member or something like that? Do we not have a comforter? Someone who understands. The Bible says he understands it, right? He knows what you're going through. I've had that personal experience myself. Back in 2004, Lori's dad, or actually 2003, Lori's dad was in a major car wreck. Severe brain damage. Lived 18 months as basically not totally a vegetable, but couldn't walk on his own, had to have help. And then he passed. Man, that was a challenging time for our family. Well, guess what? We needed the comforting presence of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? He was there. Fourteen years later, my mom, in December of 2014, passes away. And six months later, my dad passes away. A lot of trauma very quickly, right? And if, if I'm not careful, I get so burdened down with grief and woe that I forget that there's a Holy Spirit who comforts me. Amen? But I'm here to tell you, I'm here to testify to you today that the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, was my comforter during that time. 
He speaks a peace that you can't, even, you can't even put into words. The peace that the Holy Spirit brings to you in those moments, in those times. And many of you here have experienced the same thing. Amen. That's our Holy Spirit. That's our parakletos. That's Him walking alongside you, giving counsel, giving comfort, giving, giving you. He's your advocate. He goes to God on your behalf. Amen. Which brings me to a next, my next point. He intercedes for you. Aren't you glad for that this morning? The Holy Spirit prays for you. Romans 8. Let's look at it. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray. Anybody ever been there? Lord, I have no idea what to say right now. I'm at a loss for words. I don't know what to do. I'm in a mess here. I'm backed up in a corner. I need some help. And the scripture tells us, what does he do? Look at this. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now we're, talking, we're going to talk about praying in the Spirit a little bit later, but I'm here to tell you, when you pray in the Spirit, you can rest assured the Holy Spirit is interceding on your behalf. He's going to God for you. Amen. Look at verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he what? Makes intercession for the saints, and here's the good part, according to the will of God. How does he know the will of God? Because he is God. You got to get that. There's that connection. How does he know to pray the will of God? Because he is God. He has the mind of God. He is God. Amen. So who better to pray for you than God himself? To stand in the gap for you. This is powerful, folks. If you'll tap into the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, your life will change. I want him praying for me. Isn't it great to know, too, you got the Holy Spirit and you have Christ, our great high priest, both of them praying for you. Amen. That should encourage you today. You may be going through the worst storm of your life, but you can rest assured you're not alone in this. He's praying for you. And then lastly, he convicts. Now, the moment I said that word, some of you thought negatively. I'm here to tell you the word, the word conviction is not a negative term. As a matter of fact, the opposite is true. The convicting power of the Holy Spirit is so awesome. The moment that you came and you understood you needed Jesus was the moment the Holy Spirit, He was convicting you that you needed Jesus. That's a good thing, isn't it? If you want to put the word convince in there, you can do that. So in the first stage, what happened? The Holy Spirit convinced you that you were a sinner and you needed Jesus. That's a big deal. He convinced you. When you convince somebody, you've got a strong argument, Tony. It's so strong that the person decides to change their mind. And so what happened? God changed your mind about Jesus. And at that moment, what did you say? Lord, I realize, I acknowledge I'm a sinner. Would you come into my heart? Would you be the Lord of my life? Would you cleanse me from all my sin? There's no way that happens without the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. 
So let's read this together because I want you to catch him being the convictor. John chapter 16. And when he, come, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. Take notice of that. And of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So if you see in that ver- those verses, there's three things that you're convinced of. The first one is that you need Jesus, that you're a sinner. The moment that you do that, the moment you confess, the Bible says that you are justified and you pass from death unto life. Hallelujah. The second part of that, it says, he, can, he convinces us of righteousness. What happens the moment you confess? You are clothed. Now catch this. You're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. And therefore, all the sin, all the things that you've done in your past, Christ, the Holy Spirit, God does not see it anymore. All they see is the perfection of Jesus that you're clothed in. You are in right standing with God. But here's what happens. The enemy, just like he did in the Garden of Eden, he's an accuser. And he starts talking to you. What does he do? He reminds you of your past. Well, you remember when you did that sin and that night you got drunk or that night you slept with that person and, and he'll constantly try to remind you and keep you condemned. What's the difference between condemnation and conviction? The picture of it's in the garden. The moment that Adam and Eve understood they sinned against God, what did they do? They went and hid They were under condemnation for what they had done. And so you can rest assured when the Holy Spirit's convicting you, you're not running away, you're running to God. Are y'all with me this morning? And I know, how many of you have sinned since you you became a Christian? Hey! What's the enemy want to do? He wants to condemn you. Oh, look at there, you did that again. What's wrong with you? Condemnation. And it makes me want to go run and hide in the corner in shame. When the Holy Spirit says, oh, oh hold on a second, you're mine. I sealed you with, the day, with my seal. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the Holy Spirit convinces you of that. And so when the next time he does that, the next time he accuses you and, and speaks to you, No, 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 Satan. I'm the righteousness of God. Come on, somebody help me this morning. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm no longer under condemnation because Christ went to the cross. I'm convinced of it because the Holy Spirit convinces me. If you get a hold of this, folks, it'll change you. You will not live in shame and guilt any longer if you'll get a hold of this and let the Holy Spirit help you understand and convince you that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that's not all. The third thing is, what does he say? Of judgment because the enemy, the one who's out to steal, to kill, and destroy you, has already been judged. So again, the moment he starts coming in and trying to tell you and try to nag at you and accuse you, Satan, I already know what your, your, where your end is. I already know what Christ has for you. Because one day, I'm here to tell you, the one that we were singing about, the lamb that was slain, who's worthy, 
the, the Satan himself will stand before Jesus Christ and will be condemned to hell. Amen. Folks, this is your power. Your authority is God convinces you that he's already been judged. He has no power over you. This is the benefit. This is the advantage that Christ was talking about when he spoke of the Holy Spirit coming. You have that authority to tell Satan, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm in Christ. I, you are judged. Leave me alone. Get thee behind me, Satan. And you can say it with all authority because you're clothed in his righteousness. Can you see, folks, how important it is to be filled with the Spirit of God? To walk in close fellowship with Him on a daily basis. It's possible for you if you'll just say, here I am. Take control. Amen?